0: Thanks for downloading episode 81 of the Shrimp's Verdict podcast. All opinions expressed to those of the individual contributors and not necessarily those of either Morecambe Football Club or of Beyond Radio.
1: Every kick, every game, every goal. Following Morecambe FC in League One. Full match commentary of Morecambe FC on Beyond Radio. This is Shrimp's Live from Beyond Radio.
0: To Cole Stockton in on the right hand tip of the penalty area. Cole as well to bring the ball down out of the sky. Gets to the bye and gets the ball across Ooh. as well. And it nearly fell nicely to a, a Morecambe shirt. But Chapman do really well to get the defensive job done. And they might have a breakaway on of their own here as Charlie Brown makes strides towards the edge of the box. Dan Ulland puts it into the side net in. And that is a real let off for the Shrimps who we were caught out on the break there. Charlie Brown got the ball on halfway. bomb forward towards the edge of the Morkham penalty area. Slipped in Dan Ulland. And the knee from Southampton could only find the side netting. The ball on the edge of the box now with uh, Jensen Where Was that a free kick? Referee says play on. Ball on the edge of the D. Stockton tries to get it to short It's going to fall 20 yards out for oh. Liam Gibson. Oh. oh, that's a nice curling effort. And that's a decent tip round the post. Low down to his left hand side. Not sure it was going in, but ball on the right hand side. Cooney. Infield it goes to Fane. Back to Cooney. Not too much on for the Morecambe right wing-back so he goes to Jacob Badeau and then Ryan Delaney down this left-hand flank as on the near side as we look here in the press box that's a sloppy pass though by Ryan and that allows Cheltenham to nip the ball away Charlie Brown gets Ryan Taylor going down this right-hand side Taylor gets the byline gets the ball across it's going to fall on the back post there and it's smashed into the back of the net for the opening goal of the evening and that was a good smart breakaway down that right-hand side you have to say and it was Ryan Jackson with it, got to the bye-eye, got the ball across and it smashed in at the back post in the 35th minute. It's Cheltenham Town 1, Morecambe
2: 0. Well, Morecambe have probably, seeded, uh, probably shaded the territory this evening because they've been a lot more aggressive this evening, but with that comes risks and with Cheltenham Town, they've got the pace of Unlundley, they've got the pace of Ryan Broome and with that, they've obviously been able to create opportunities uh, to finish at the back post. So, uh, obviously, at uh, Morecambe have put played well for the large parts of the game so far, but obviously they've come and stuck it at this the moment.
0: We got caught in the 13th minute, as I said, in that time, Unandulu only found the side netting. In that time, they broke with pace down the right-hand side. It was a good finish, you have to say, smashed it into the back of the net from the back post, but... We got caught out there and uh, we couldn't. we just couldn't match Ryan Jackson for pace down that right-hand
2: side. Well, yeah, absolutely, and Ben Williams with that run as well to the back post. And I think that's the danger with Cheltenham. they've got that um, that pace and the ability to get from one end of the pitch to the other very quickly. And I think that was in evidence uh, for that goal.
0: And Ben Williams back in the starting lineup tonight, drifting in from the left hand side, good finish. Taylor Perry inside the centre circle, back out towards his right side, and Ryan Jackson once more down the right-hand channel it goes and the volley comes in from Liam Sirkin that's the first shot on target for either team in the second half Norton out towards Ryan Broom on the left-hand side is in the penalty areas Ryan Broom tries to curl it into the top corner of Conor Ripley's goal and it's over the angle we played really well against Ipswich didn't get anything from the game but played really well but certainly in first half very unlucky not to get anything from that game then we had the hangover against Burton where we were not great at all then obviously Broom against Barnsley and then the hangover tonight so Mm -hmm. we just can't string two good performances together and that is the frustrating thing Dylan Connolly gets back to Cooney who tries to whip it in that's not a bad old cross you know actually his head's goal for the bar post and Adam Mayer volleys it into the side netting well what a story that would have been if that had found the back of the net he's caught it really sweetly on the volley there did Adam Mm -hmm. Mayer, but just the wrong side of the post But 90th minute, that's our first shot of the second half. And it wasn't even on target. As good a strike as it was. And we've got to do more than that in the final third. We just have to. Shane McLaughlin into the feet of Kieran Phillips. It gets it to Watts, who can't quite get it into the path of... Connolly, ball falls for sure who does well to wriggle away from his man lovely play to get it to Caleb Watts Phillips is clean through here, might be a last minute oh Oh, he's hit the angle of post and bar, the keeper was beaten and that was a chance that Morkham needed to snatch a point at the death out of nowhere, I thought that was going to smash into the top corner, it comes back off the angle of post and bar and away, oh so close from the right boot of Kieran Phillips Reaction to the action. This is the Shrimps verdict on Beyond Radio. Out for a throw and it goes. No time for anything else though. That is the end of proceedings here at the Completely Suzuki Stadium and it is a defeat on the road for the Shrimps. It was a game that we couldn't really afford to lose. It was certainly a must not lose and we've lost it by... One goal to nil. In truth, we didn't offer anywhere near as much going forward in the final third as, as we needed to. A shot in the first half from Liam Gibson. I'm not sure it was going in actually, but the keeper turned it round for a corner anyway. And then in the second half, it took it till the 90th minute for us to register any sort of effort on goal and Adam Mayer volley, which hit the side netting. And then deep in stoppage time, Kieran Phillips found himself played through by the substitute Caleb Watts. His effort beat the keeper and came back off the angle of post and bar. It was as close to going in the top corner as it could possibly be without actually hitting the back of the net. That was the chance for us to get a point against all the odds. Cheltenham Town won it in the first half and we were undone by a pacey break down the right hand side really. Victims of our own downfall you have to say. Gave possession away cheaply and it was Jackson who skipped away down the right hand side. His cross beat everybody apart from Ben Williams coming in from the left hand side and his left-footed pile driver smashed into the back of Conor Ripley's net at 10 minutes before the break. Uh, we made a couple of changes at half-time, bought on Arthur Nahua, bought on Dylan Connolly, and then bought on Caleb watson May. but it was uh, all in vain, apart from those very, very two late chances. Uh, More in truth, did not threaten the Cheltenham goal much at all in the second half. Gabriel Sutton, EFL pundit, is alongside us on Shrimps Live uh, this uh, Tuesday evening. Gabriel, what did you make of it tonight?
2: Um, disappointing, I think, is the first thing, really, from a Morecambe perspective. I think it's bits and pieces to take from the first half hour. But actually, I think once Cheltenham scored, it wasn't until uh, the, the final critical moments, even the last five minutes and even injury time, where Morecambe mustered any sort of threat. I think, you know, bits and pieces of positives to come from the substitutes. Adam Mayer, Caleb Watts, I thought, tried their best. But I think systematically... Attacking-wise from Morecambe, there was something missing in this game. We saw how well they defended against uh, Barnsley on Saturday. Um, but that might be a little bit more like the blueprint that's going to keep Morecambe out of trouble because attacking-wise, I'm not sure they're going to score a ton of goals with... Um, with in terms of the issues like uh, ball progression from deep and getting the ball into those key players and movement off the ball was missing a little bit tonight. So a lot for Derek Adams to to work on and to ponder. And maybe it suits Morecambe a little bit more playing some of the top teams because some of the better performance lately have come against the better sides in the division.
0: Wasn't a great performance tonight. You can't sugarcoat it anyway other than that. We were in the game in general play. Just looking down my notes, apart from Cheltenham's goal, they had that one effort from Dan Ullandulu in the early in the first half, put it in the side, netted from the breakaway. Uh, Apart from that, Conor Ripley's not really had too much to do. So, from that point of view, defensively, we were okay it's just that final third, we've got to do so much better. Well,
2: uh, yes it's the final third but it's also with the ball generally, I think there's got to be better ball progression into those uh, those attacking players and I think I probably felt a little bit for Cole Stockton because we can say, we can sit here and say he had a quiet evening tonight Dave but did Morecambe give the ball to his chest, to his feet enough? I'm not sure that's the case and I think that's probably the crux of, of the issues from this evening.
0: Where do can go from here then, Gab? We've got some big, big games coming up. A couple of cup games to look forward to, <laughs> if you can call it that. Uh, but uh, Derby this time next week at the Mazuma and then Wickham Wanderers on Saturday. do not get any easier, does it? It doesn't
2: get any easier, but actually I think some of those games that give Derek Adams uh, an opportunity to go back to the template that, uh, that saw Morecambe beat Barnsley and, and look so solid and nullify them so well and I think that's probably what he's going to be looking for I think when Morecambe play with a high line that's probably where they risk themselves exposing themselves to that pace that Cheltenham had this evening and I think that was where the, the sort of threat came I suppose whereas actually with a deeper block um, it's okay that you've only got Jacob Beddo as the three set, one of three centre backs that's got the pace because um, you, you've not got as much ground to cover so um, yeah I think Going back to a, a deep block structure has got to be the way forward for Markham
0: and try and get a couple of points off those tough, tough games. Results not gone our way tonight either. M K Dons have beaten Charlton by two goals to nil. Uh, Burton were looking f- at a, a great win, but uh, Bolton have equalised deep in stoppage time. Uh, there for uh, one apiece. Um, Forest Green were beating Fleetwood, but they scored a late equaliser to to draw one apiece. So it could have been. It's not. It's not great, but it could have been worse in terms of the results uh, not going our way tonight either. Yeah, um,
2: certainly a bit of a boost in terms of those uh, late goals, so a slight let-off from that perspective. But listen, we can talk about other results, but Morecambe have got to take matters into their own hands and try and perform a little bit better against the bottom sides. They've obviously won at Forest Green earlier in the season, but tonight, uh, not enough creativity from Morecambe. Uh, little bits of you know periods where Liam Shaw looked good, periods where Caleb Watts individually looked good. But I think as a structural uh, creativity effort, they've got to show a little bit more. Um, and actually I was there at the Forest Green game when they created chances through midfielders breaking into the box, but it was more transitional attacks. And for me, that's maybe where Morecambe are likelier to create chances than playing with that high line. Because I think, I look at Cole Stockton as well, Dave. He's not really an aerial target man, is he? I don't think he's going to win that many headers. So actually, it's more the transitional attacks where Morecambe are going to um
0: pose a threat to their opponents rather than the ones where they're sort of penning them in gab we love having you on thanks so much we're going to see you again very soon on trims live co-commentary hopefully and you can fingers crossed bring us a bit more luck next time you come if, if you don't mind <laughs> uh, just before you go gab give us your sales pitch where can we find your stuff
2: yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at gab sutton. I also have a show. So I write about the EFL. I you know create discussions uh, pretty much every day on you know all various EFL issues, which people can sort of chip in and talk about their own team So if anyone fancy the chat about Morecambe with me, you can join me on that. I also have a show called EFL Debate, where I talk to various people: fans, players, managers, owners, directors. I had James Wakefield on um, recently as well. So um, yeah, and lots of debate about the EFL as well. So you can follow me on Twitter at Gab Sutton and you can follow the hashtag AFLDW8. Gab, thank you very much indeed and we'll speak to you next time. Cheers, Dave. Always a pleasure, mate. Really
3: disappointed because, uh, you know, the performance tonight uh, was very poor from us. Uh, we were excellent on Saturday but tonight uh, we were really poor. Uh, we didn't play well, we didn't pass the ball well uh, and we didn't compete well enough and, you know, that's not to... Say that you know Cheltenham weren't great either. It was a pure football match. It was pure advert for League One uh, football. Uh, there wasn't many chances created throughout the the ninety minutes, and um, we, you know, have played a part in that. But you know, we've got to be a lot better uh, than we were tonight. That said, when the goal came, that was just at the end of perhaps your best period of the game. Yeah, I mean, there was nothing in the game, and uh, from both sides, it was it was lacklustre. Um, it looked like a game that was going to just be played in the middle of the pitch, it didn't look like it was going to be played in the 18-yard box, and, and um, we give a ball away just uh, inside uh, the attacking half, and then you know they get sucker punched, and, and that's been the nature of some of our games, but when you're at League One football and uh, you don't uh, take care of the ball, then you're going to get punished, and tonight we did, we hit the bar you know, late on the game from Kieran Phillips, but at the end of the day, uh, it didn't go in the back of the net. You made two subs at, at half-time and actually used all five subs. Do you feel that that made any difference? I thought Caleb, what's made a difference when he came on? I don't think it made a difference at all tonight. I, I think that you know we changed the shape, we changed the personnel, we made five changes, and uh, we didn't see anything better throughout the the, the ninety minutes. I think that um, you know we've got to be a lot better than that uh, this season. So, were there no positives for you, Derek? At all? There was none for me. I, I, you know, I can speak for myself. I, I usually pick a positive, but um, you know, tonight I can't uh, because we haven't uh, been able to take anything from the game. Um, Kieran Phillips obviously hit the bar with probably his only chance and our only chance uh, uh, on target tonight, which uh, sums our display up. You've got another away game coming up at the weekend. Um, ha- ha- presumably, a bit disappointed that you didn't build on last Saturday how do you pick them up after this one well we've got two players now Rosson and uh, Fane suspended and uh, that's not going to be easy for us we're as tight as we are uh, squad wise and uh, you know we're in a situation where um, it's, it's going to be extremely difficult
0: it's the Shrimps Verdicts Podcast hello from Dave Salmon thanks so much for downloading this episode always available of course via your podcast platform of choice you can click the bell icon for notifications you can subscribe as well that would be fantastic if you do and they are also always available on our website beyondradio.co.uk click on the podcast section there and I always post the links on my Twitter feed uh, much more Shrimps info besides uh, at DPSalmon. salmon Salmon and as in the fish if uh, you fancy dropping me a follow from there we would be really appreciative onwards then to our next game we are back on the road this coming Saturday Wickham Wanderers the destination for Derek Adams men and uh, we had a couple of big games against the Wanderers last season the 4-3 at Adams Park and that 3-2 comeback win fabulous occasion later on in the campaign at the Mizuma, which went a long way to the Shrimp staying in League One so looking forward to the weekend ahead of the game I've been talking to Phil Catchpole. Phil is the head of audio and broadcast at Wickham Wanderers. Match commentator. He's the host of the fantastic "Ringing the Blues" podcast as well. Uh, go and check that out because it's 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 re- it's hilarious in parts. It's one of the best League One podcasts uh, around. And of course, overseeing all things Wanderers TV. The ideal man then to get the full lowdown on Gareth Ainsworth, men ahead of our trip there this coming Saturday. And of course, a reminder: full match commentary. If you're not heading down, we'll be on FM and DAB plus digital radio from 2.45 and shortly after via I Follow Shrimps. Phil, thanks for jumping on our podcast. I always love talking to you because uh, we have always lots to discuss. Um, it's fair to say that uh, it, it's not been, given what happened last season, it's not been the start to the campaign that perhaps you would have wanted.
1: No, not at all. Uh, we had a brilliant season last season, uh, 83 points. Uh, probably would have got us up most seasons, but it just about snaked us into the playoffs. And uh, Gareth Ainsworth loves a playoff game, and it was no surprise to anyone that we got to the final. Unfortunately, though, we just didn't turn up against Sunderland, um, which was a real blow, because I think a lot of expectation was that it, even though it was Sunderland and all of their fans, uh, that we still felt that we were going to do it um, and get back up to the championship at the first Time of asking, but it was Sunderland's Day. Um, and I think we've had a bit of a hangover from that, to be honest. Um, not just the players and the staff, but I think the, the club in general. It's a tough thing to come back from. Um, playoff finals are brilliant when you win them, as you know. They're they're a fantastic way to get promoted. Um, but it does mean that someone has to lose on the day. Uh, I've been there on on both sides of the fence, and uh, I have to say it was uh, it was um yeah, horrible couple of months afterwards, really. Um but we've had a lot of injuries. I know a lot of teams will talk about injuries, but they've really had a huge impact on Wiccan Wanderers because it's the spine of the team. Uh, Sam Vokes, Josh Schoen, Dominic Gate, Curtis Thompson, uh, Ryan Safazoli at the back. Um, they've been they've been out, in and out of the team for injuries. We're getting them back now, slowly but surely, and the form is returning and the identity is returning, which I think is important as well. But um, But yeah, so we've had a slow start, a sticky start but it's a tight division. I know the top two are sort of um, foot to the floor, but the rest of it's pretty tight. We've just, we lost three on the bounce. We've just won three on the bounce and we're now four points off the playoffs again. And everyone seems to be looking upwards rather than over our shoulder, which is a much nicer sensation.
0: Such a strange division this season. I know it's still relatively early days, of course, but the way it's all panning out at the top and the middle, and I always think there's just three distinct tiers of league one, if you like. There's the promotion candidates is the not up or down in the middle. And then there's the bottom six, seven, eight clubs and, and four of those are, are going to go through the trap door. So it, it it seems to me, and this is only our second season in League One, of course, that it, it seems a, a, in terms of overall quality, a better division than it was last season. It's just getting better and better and harder and harder every year.
1: Yeah, it's an amazing sort of amalgamation of clubs, isn't it? You've got nine teams who've played in the Premier League then you've got the likes of uh, of you guys, us, Burton, uh, Fleetwood, uh, who else is there? There's teams that, you know, like 10, 15, 20 years ago, mm. some of us weren't even in the league. And uh, Wickham only came into the league in, in the 90s. You know, we had, I think, out of the two games out of that run of three defeats, um, one of them was away at Sheffield Wednesday at Hillsborough. Uh, The other one was at Pride Park against Derby County. And it was like, wow, I mean, I remember when we used to go and see, you know, like, you know, know, Bromley and people like that in the the Isthmian League stuff. So it's an amazing sort of meeting point of of cultures, of clubs. Um, And I think it's a great division for it as well. Mm -hmm. Accrington, that was a team I was trying to add onto that list as well. Um, So, and I think what's great about football is, is that teams like Wickham and Morecambe and Accrington and Fleetwood and the like, on their day can beat these teams and, and Wickham have certainly done that in recent history and they've got up to the championship so it just shows you that football's not all about the money um, but if you look at the table as it stands today uh, it certainly is all about the money mm. at Bar Plymouth because the top six or seven are the ones you'd expect the ones who've been up there in the Premier League who get 20,000 fans every week and probably their chairman are saying well we should be in this position
0: well well uh- We are very, I I suppose we have to be jealous of of the likes of Sheffield Wednesday and it's reported how much Barry Bannon gets paid a week. And then you look at Ipswich Town, they pay a million pounds for a a left back from Leeds, a former Morecambe Academy player, actually, by the way. But um, it's how the (laughs) other half live, isn't it? And I, I think Morecambe's and Wickham's business model makes It's more sustainable in that way, doesn't it? Yeah, you want to be in the Championship, but at the same time, you also still
1: want a football club to support. You don't chuck the family silver at it and and risk going bust. Absolutely. And you'll know this from from winning promotion from League Two. When you achieve against the odds, it feels absolutely wonderful. If Sheffield Wednesday or Ipswich were to to get promoted this season, the entire football world will look around and say, well, yes, so you should. You're in League One with your budget, the players that you've got, the, the wages you're paying, you should be getting promoted. So it's a bit like a, you know, well, okay, you've done it. Well done, but off you go. We'll see you next year in the championship. When Wickham did it, it was a national news event. Yeah. Um, because it was a really against the odd story. And it felt absolutely fantastic. And you're absolutely right as well, because it's about being sustainable and it's about having a model that keeps the club there. My little boy's too. I can't wait to take him to see Wickham Wanderers. And I'm really glad the club's still there. My dad took me to my first game. And uh, I remember that for, for my whole life. And I want to be able to do that for my family. And that's what football's all about, really. It's about having a club to support. Um, the model that Wickham have got now is is really developing. We've got Anis Fometti, who we picked up from... A, um, he was released from Norwich under-23s. They weren't interested. Uh, we picked him up from Step 9, um, put an arm around him, coached him, and he's now tearing up League One. And I'll be amazed if he's still a wanderer by the end of this season. We've got Chris Farino, another one of these players. He was at university. Um, he came down and played in a trialist game was picked up immediately he's now I think he's in league one team of the week this week he's a phenomenal defender and these are players that we're developing we haven't got an academy but we've got this sort of development squad um, and the fans have really taken to it because they love seeing their own players coming through and doing bits in the first team and and hopefully, hopefully they can have an impact for us this season but I really hope for them as well that they get the big moves and the big money that comes in that then gets put back into the club and then we go again And it
0: helps when um, you've got good owners uh, and and that's what the core rigs
1: are. Yes. Yeah. They're not, they're not throwing the family silver to use your phrase at it. They want to make it sustainable. Um, They've got this amazing American spirit of like, why shouldn't we be in the championship? We fully expect to be there. Uh, It's quite a weird cultural clash for some of our fans (laughs) because obviously... Uh, English football fans, the, the glass is very much half empty, isn't it? Whereas in America, it's very much like, yes, we're aiming for the, we're shooting for the stars. And um, it's a great, it's a great sort of amalgamation of attitudes. <laughs> but um, uh, the Kuigs are doing it the right way. They're not doing it in terms of like putting us in a huge financial hole and then maybe getting bored of it and then leaving us with a huge um, wage bill, a story that we see up and down the leagues, up and down the country. Um, but yeah, they're doing it right. Um, they've made huge differences to Adams Park and in the infrastructure it, it needed it um, we needed some investment and it's it's not investment for investment's sake it's investment to bring money back into the club um, and so far so good let's look at the team then Phil if you made last season we
0: had two very good games of football, you have to say. The 4-3 Adams part, we should have held on. We should, probably should have won the game, really. You, you, you kind of sucker-punched us in the last 10 minutes. And then a great comeback at our place. And, and that was one of the results last season that went a long way into securing Morecambe's survival, coming back to win 3-2. So uh, we've, we've had some good encounters over the years, haven't we?
1: Yeah, I love coming up to Morecambe. It's one of my favourite away days, although I don't think the team do because it's obviously quite a tough place to play football, uh, especially for the away team because they're not used to the uh, the conditions. Uh, it's always, I don't know, there's always a wind coming from somewhere in Morecambe, but uh, I love going there. It's fantastic. Um, but yeah, you were right, last season's games were phenomenal. Um, if we get a game half as good as that on Saturday, then we'll be in for a treat, I think, on either one of those games. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, we've had... It's good because, you know, again, we we go back into non league together, don't we? There's, yeah. you know, I remember going to Christie Park. I think Gareth Ainsworth even scored there. He did. Um, he, scored so, at, so, he
0: scored at the uh, Mazuma as well.
1: Yeah. So he's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, we go back a long way. So it's, it's really nice. And it's kind of like I said earlier on, we're in this little band of brothers, aren't we? These little, these smaller teams in there that are sort of going around, hopefully um, giving a bloody nose to the big boys. But when we play each other, I think it's nice because there's that historical element to it. There's a lot of respect between the clubs. Um, So, yeah, it should be a good game Saturday. So, let's look at that team then, Phil, if you may. Tell us everything we need to know about uh, current
0: season. Gareth Ainsworth, Wickham Wanderers. uh, Team wants to watch style of play. I think
1: we know the style of play, but
0: you can remind us of that as well. Uh, What do we need to know?
1: Uh, Well, we've got a fabulous goalkeeper. We started the season when David Stockdale left uh, to join Sheffield Wednesday. uh, Left a huge hole, really, because um, he's a great keeper. Fantastic distribution, which is a big way that we can play, and they like to get the ball forwards early. Um, and um, we had a low knee lined up off, uh, off one of the big boys in the top flight. That fell through, um, much to everyone's frustration right at the start of the season. So we started with um, a, a keeper who had made a senior appearance, played the first five games. Did well, but, you know, he's learning the game, and if, if you're looking to get in the top six, that was going to be a big ask. Um, so they bought Max Striek in gold from Livingston. He was, uh, he was in Livingston last season and he's been a, an absolutely fantastic hit with the fans already he's a typical goalkeeper he's got that little glint in his eye that you know that he's a little bit mental um but a phenomenal are. exactly that yeah. um and he's a great shot stopper um he comes and gets everything um you know like all goalkeepers as well there, there's a mistake in there he, he conceded a penalty away at oxford um which was a which was a poor one but then he saved it and then a double save which is even better so you can't ask for more than that so it's pretty box office and uh, he's been brilliant, really. Um, his distribution's getting up to what we need as well. Um, so he's one to watch. Um, Alfie Mawson in League One is just an absolute joy to watch. Yeah. Um, our fans were rejoicing when he rejoined us. And we have to be realistic. Had he not had his injury problems, he wouldn't be playing in League One. Um, he's got a bit of a League One Ledley King about him because he has a slightly different training schedule to everyone else. <laughs> but whatever they're doing, it's working because he's playing week in, week out at the moment. And he's a real Rolls-Royce in this division. So uh, you'll enjoy watching him. Um, Chris Farino, we mentioned uh, earlier, he's a great defender. Um, he's a proper, what we call, he's called the UCAS Barresi because he was at university when uh, we picked him up and uh, he <laughs> left uni to join Wickham Um But he is, um, he's a proper big lad, great in the uh, he's He throws himself into tackles. He's, he's really good to watch and also dangerous at set pieces as well. So they're the two, the three at the back to watch, really. Sam Vokes is starting to heat up now after a bit of an injury hit start to the season. And again, in League One, he should be getting 15, 20 goals a season. He's got two so far, so we're hoping that he's going to start kicking on now. He's got his match sharpness back. And a big shout out to Nick Freeman in midfield because he had a cruciate knee ligament injury. Um, The club kept him on, even though he was in the last year of his contract. He's come back stronger than ever. He scored a fantastic goal at MK Dons on Saturday to get us the three points. Uh, he's playing in a slightly deeper role at the moment um, because of our injury problems in that position. But he's relishing being back out there and he's um, he's a great player. He's one of those players that you can give him the ball and you know fairly surely he's going to give it to one of your own team, um, which is always nice. Um, and then one last one, and it's for Meti. Um He's just been brilliant for us this season and he's the sort of player that people pay money to watch.
0: Looking forward to the game, Phil, I have to say. Uh, I think it is going to be a close encounter. And, and you talk about League One and... It is the way that the league is shaping I mean, look at, as we speak right now, and they could be off the bottom by the time people listen to this, but MK Don's bottom of the table. And there's still loads of anomalies, aren't there, that uh, teams are where you think they perhaps wouldn't be.
1: Yeah, it's great, isn't it? (laughs) It's like our county rivals. Everyone was tipping them to be top of the league. They had a brilliant, brilliant season last season. Liam Manning did an amazing job. Um, and we mugged them in the semi final. We, we took them apart in that in the home leg, and they took us apart in, mm. in the second leg. But, um, David Stockdale and our defense, which is brilliant. Um, but theirs was a, a team built on loans, and, and and they had a couple of good players that they owned as well in Twine and Darling, and they sold them. The loanies, um, all went away, they didn't come back apart from the keeper. Um, so it just goes to show that you know, when you've got that sort of transition coming in, they did a brilliant job. Recruitment-wise, last season, this season, when I saw them on Saturday, none of—I think four of the team that started that second leg semi-final played on Saturday. Uh, the other seven starters, I don't think, would have got anywhere near that MK Dons team last season, and I think that spells the problems they've got. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about you, Phil, for a second, if we can. Uh, how, how You've got
0: still a relatively new role at the club, haven't you? And uh, the birth of Wanderers TV and, and audio and broadcasting. Tell us more details about that.
1: Yeah, it started in January mid-season, which was, uh, which was a lot of fun because obviously it's a uh, lots going on uh, in the middle of the season and, and doing other bits. Uh, Matt Cecil, the head of media at Wickham, has done an amazing job with migrating our website away in the middle of the season as well and getting all the broadcasting stuff set up. Um, but yeah, the, the streaming platform for games has been brilliant. Um, we've noticed a real uptick in quality coming out of, um, of the iFollow setup, um, which has been good. Um, and the, the, yeah, the numbers are great. The fans are, I think the lockdown, you know, there's not many positives of, of the pandemic, but one of them was that people got used to watching the games yeah. at home. And um, I think on the backdrop of that, we had our highest ever attendance figures last season uh, for 20 years, uh, average across the season uh, uh, at home. Um, so it's not keeping people away. Our travelling support is is still good um, and the numbers are still good there as well. So it's just opening us up now to a lot more people. Um, and there are people in Bucks in the UK who maybe can't get to a Tuesday night game at Accrington for a 7.45 who, who would normally listen on the radio. They can now spend a tenner and watch the game. So there's, there's more connection there. Um, we're building more and more fans overseas, um, which still blows my mind from when I first started following Wickham Wonders yeah, in the 80s, um, you know, so we're building really strong pockets and especially in Spanish-speaking markets. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, it's going great. And, you know, as I'm sure there is at Morecambe as well, a club like Wickham and Morecambe, there's just fantastic characters around. Um, you know, last week I went to film um, with our goalkeeper who played in the 1957 um, Amateur Cup final at Wembley. Um, who hung up his gloves at the age of 32 and picked up a paintbrush for the first time and became a world-renowned oil painter. And, you know, so I went and spent the afternoon with him in his studio and and filmed a lovely piece of him talking football and life and telling these wonderful stories that we've had throughout the club. Um, And again, the the youngsters that we've got coming through the club as well, all with great stories. And it's just helping tell those stories, helping tell the stories of our great club and hopefully picking up some people along along the way. Having a ball, really, Dave, to be honest. Sounds certainly
0: sounds it. The, the iFollow platform is much maligned in some quarters, isn't it? I think it certainly it gets better year on year, doesn't it, in terms of a user experience. But uh, you're showing, and, and and obviously Wickham aren't aren't the only team. Far from it. Blackpool and Wigan, and I know there are other other teams that have their own in-house um, operation, if you like. Uh, it's uh, it it shows that it can be done.
1: Absolutely. I mean, IMG is still the production company and they still do an amazing job considering just how much football they have to film and get out and stream live on a Saturday afternoon, especially. Um, but I think where we found it is we're able to control a bit more of, of the feedback and the customer um, relations and bits and pieces like that, um, which is which is great. And we can tailor it to make it our own. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, so we're really enjoying it and um, we'll see. But, you know, I think we're coming up to a crossroads soon in football broadcasting and, and specialty clubs. Uh, at all levels about what's going to happen. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all develops.
0: Talk to me about Bill Turnbull, if you will. Phil, obviously, sadly missed, but a, a great tribute to him at Adams Park. And, and of course, he was such a massive supporter of Wanderers, wasn't
1: he? Yeah, Bill was a he was a tremendous guy, uh, first and foremost. Um, a massive Wiccan Wanderers fan. Uh, I still really, you know, I remember when I first met him in the press box and then it was like, wow, that's Bill Turnbull. Wow. And uh, immediately, just he was just became a mate because he was just asking about the football, talking about all sorts of stuff, uh, and then we started broadcasting together. So I became very close to Bill uh, down the years, and um, massive help to me. Um, uh, you know, to have someone like that next to you in the in the, in the commentary box was awesome. Um, he was um, uh, what has been, I say, one of the plus points. Um, obviously, we knew Bill was ill, and we knew the end was coming, but. Um, uh, the outpouring of love for Bill, not from just from, from Wickham, but from the whole country. Um, and BBC Breakfast came down and made some really lovely packages about Bill um, and getting to know the Breakfast team, his former colleagues. Um, one of the lovely things I learned about Bill, because he always used to send me text messages, right? He used to, he was watching us right up until the end, and he would text me during and after games, um, invariably to pick me up on, on some mistake I made or a grammar error or something. <laughs> or He was a killer for that, especially on text message um and uh, speaking to the colleagues colleagues former colleagues at bbc they used to call him the grammar hammer and they used to do it to all of those guys as well so uh, and they said i oh, said they must he must have really liked you if he did that um, that meant the world to me um but yeah he's really he's a massive miss for us because he helped put our club on the map because he was never shy about his allegiances with Wickham, he embraced it and he was always saying that it's always clubs like Wickham that should be the heartbeat of football and he was right and um, yeah, he was a wonderful guy. We really miss him. But we've got the Bill Turnbull Gantry now, which was his favourite place. And um, and every time I go up there now, I think of him because the view of the football is great. The view of the wildlife and the and the birds and the red kites that fly by, which also he loved as well, uh, is there too. And we've got his name up in, in massive letters up there now. So it's a permanent thing, uh, as it should be, because he was a club legend. Looking forward to seeing that on
0: on Saturday. I feel like I'll, I'll try and wave at you from the opposite end of the, uh, <laughs> the stadium. Uh, talk to us about the, uh, the the Bayo Amazon documentary that's been released this week. What's that all about?
1: Yeah, so Bayo um, in the final year of his uh, of his career at football eight, they, they had an Amazon documentary team following him around. Um, and uh, I've only seen the trailer, um, and it, it looks to be fantastic. It's not just his time at Wickham. This is about Adebayo with a person here. So um, I think if people are listening to this, they're going to like football. They're going to know who he is. But if you are listening to this, or if you want to tell anyone, if you, even if you don't like football, this documentary will have something in it for you, because Bayo's mantra about life was never be defined by your circumstances. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do something. If you really want to do something, knuckle down and get on with it and do it. And that was that was Bayo in a nutshell. Um, He's had some hard times. He's had some amazing times. And this documentary will will cover all of those. And and obviously Wickham will feature heavily. The premiere is at the Wickham Swan Theatre this Wednesday. Um, I think um, it may have already happened by the time this goes out. Um, And with Bayo, it will, of course, it will be larger than life. There'll be lots of his celebrity friends there and all sorts. And again, a bit like Bill, he was a larger than life character. He put our club on the map and still does, which is great. I think he's. I've seen him on a few TV adverts in the last couple of
0: months as well. He seems to be forging a career on uh, endorsing products, and, and I think he was doing. I think it was some kind of like financial pension service. I saw him on on ITV. I it know he's
1: doing doing all sorts. Yeah, he was on a Coast Guard advert the other that's day. That's it, Coast Guard was, as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, I mean, he's, that's that's Bayo. He's going to turn up everywhere <laughs> because he's got five kids. You know, that's why he considered playing football till he was 40. So he's out there, he's grafted. And that's what he'll say. He goes, look, yeah, I've got to get out there and do this. But yeah, he's he's going to be... I asked him the other week. He came down to our, our home game against Peterborough and I spoke to him afterwards. I was like, the rumours about I'm a celebrity, are they true? And I just got the big bio laugh and says, never believe all the rumours about me. He says, I was meant to be signing for Liverpool one season. That never <laughs> happened. But he did have a glint in his eye. That's all I'm going to say. Mm, okay. Well, we'll, we'll watch the space there, Phil. Thank you very much for that. Um, <laughs> always
0: great to chat, Phil. Thank you so much for your time. I know you're a very busy man, young young, young baby still, hopefully still having the nap. So that will be all good. <laughs> uh, looking forward yeah. to seeing you on Saturday as well. Before you go, let's have a couple of predictions. Obviously cool. the game on Saturday and uh, we've spoken about how tight league one is. Can you start to climb the table even further?
1: Yeah, I think we can. I think we can climb. Um, I think we've got three home games starting um, before. um, We're talking on a Monday. We play Tuesday at home against Cambridge, and we've got you guys on the Saturday at home. Then on the Tuesday, we've got Port Vale at home, the rearranged game from after the Queen died. Um, So we've got three home games in a row, coming off the back of three consecutive wins. We're hoping... Hoping, hoping, this is the start of a good, really, really good run. We beat um, Oxford, Peterborough and MK Dons. They look like really difficult games on paper. And I did jokingly say about a month ago, we'll win those three and we'll probably get one point in the three against Cambridge, Forkham and Port Vale, because that's how football is. Uh, Although I have to say I'm very hopeful for Saturday. My prediction for Saturday is Wickham 3, Morecambe 1, but what will be a really good game, hopefully.
0: I, I used to like you, Phil, until you said that. <laughs> I,
1: I, I'm never going to say they're going to lose. Uh,
0: <laughs> um, thanks very much indeed, Phil. Give us the, uh, the sales pitch just before you go. Wanderers TV, uh, where can we find it? I know it's a subscription service, but uh, there are some some free stuff as well, isn't there? Uh, Morecambe yeah, Wanderers TV
1: www.fc.com for all your Wanderers TV needs as well Uh, Ringing the Blues podcast is part of it as well which is free to access um, which is uh, very similar to what you guys do the fantastic brilliant yeah it's a very different sort of podcast but um, it it remains the same even though it's now a a club product Um, and uh, yeah we very much enjoy putting that together Um, so yeah Ringing the Blues um, the the most popular feature is the opposition view where we we find the best comments from our opposition's fans on Twitter and the forums and uh, we bring them to life in an audio package. So if you want to hear mate, if you want to put something outlandish on Twitter, you may may feature next (laughs) week. I'll see what I can
0: do, Phil. Uh, (laughs) uh, Looking forward to the game on Saturday. Looking forward to catching up again at the weekend. and seeing the gantry, of course, and the geek when it comes to that kind of stuff. So, Phil, thanks so much indeed. Hopefully I've not woken the
1: baby up, and uh, we'll see you on Saturday. Top man. Doing this in that time adds another dimension.
3: It does, doesn't it? (laughs) Cheers, Phil. (laughs)
1: Cheers, mate. Every kick, every game, every goal. Following Morecambe FC in League One. Full match commentary of Morecambe FC
3: on Beyond Radio. This is Shrimps Live from Beyond Radio.